the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon and welcome into another edition of Woods and Water, South Carolina. What should have been a live remote from Charleston, South Carolina at Fort Johnson for the big open house down there. They canceled it because yesterday's weather forecast, by now the winds would have been at like 30 to 50 miles an hour down there. And I'm looking at the AccuWeather says east at 10 (laughs) and light rain. Oh, well, I mean, what are you going to do with all the weather people, huh? I know what we'd like to do with them. <laughs> Don't say it, Paul. You need to watch that now. <laughs> I knew the warning was coming. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we are in the studio today, and uh, and I and I have a, a special guest with me. He uh, he's only been putting up with me for the last fifty-two years, and that would be my life, brother Paul. Life was so wonderful for the first six years of my life. <laughs> I can on. only imagine. <laughs> Come, on. you can't be serious now. No, no, I'm not serious. I was going to say, with that look on his face, I think he's pretty he, serious. Now. He had to think about it for a little, a little too long, a little longer than I'd like for him to think about it. It's okay. For the last, let's see, <clears throat> for almost the last 30 years, I've been uh, kind of looking out for you, haven't I? Every time we go somewhere, it's like, now you watch out for your brother now. Yeah, yeah, probably so. <laughs> We, we've had some good... Uh, Is all this supposed to make, make me feel good about being plan B here? I mean... No, you know. no. Okay. Okay, well, you can leave. I mean, there's the door. You know, we plan B, leave. <laughs> but anyway, he, uh, it, it's 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 something I've wanted to do for a while and during hunting season. And today, since I wasn't out of town, it was just a thank you for sitting in. Oh, being available. It. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. He brings his own material, too. That's nice. Well, I mean, I got some. Yeah, well, we're going with yours. Mine's probably not that great, but I don't know. I, I, I hate showing up with nothing in my hands. So I'm intrigued by the 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 fishing story. Okay, so we'll get to that. We'll get to some other stuff, and I don't want to. You know, it, this grew out of a bunch of conversations you and I've had over the years, and we get in the truck and start riding. Whether it's it really doesn't matter. It, it eventually turns to hunting and fishing, and we should have the tape going in the car when we're riding. <laughs> I mean, think of all the good thoughts that are gone and never be retrieved now. I wanted to do that in Colorado, but we said no politics. What were, what were the three things we were not going to talk about? No politics, no work, and no something else. I can't remember now. And then, so I had my voice recorder, and I was going to put it up on the dash, and I was just like, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. I don't want to make yeah. it the show. That's what it was. Yeah. That was the third one. Okay. You did not want it to be about the show. No show, no politics, and no, no work. work. So. so. That's why I didn't have it on. It, because my, my plan was to do a show while we're out in Colorado. Yeah. It, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, he uh, Paul cashed in a bunch of mule deer points, pulled a tag in a area outside of Crested Butte, Colorado. Actually, I guess including Crested Butte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, had to, he was going to drive out by himself, called me up and said, hey, you want to ride to Colorado and fish for a couple of days? I'm like, okay. Yeah. $5.60 later on Delta, I was flying home. And uh spent, what, 
five days, 2,700 miles? Yeah, it was, uh, and we didn't fight. And didn't fight? No. We're too old for that now. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the younger deers. By the time I drove out and drove back and drove around while I was there, it was 5,150 miles Holy in two weeks. smoke. I was tired of my truck. I didn't think I would be, but. we Here, here you go, folks. How many of you knew you could get on I-40 in Asheville and drive to Las Vegas, New Mexico? <laughs> right at, what, 1,500 miles or something like that yeah. on I-40? Yeah. Just straight across. The, the the part of the whole trip I was most proud of is I didn't have to look at a map until I got on the way back. I got in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they've got a bunch of uh, toll roads and interstate. And I had to finally break down and pull up the Google map app. But other than that, I did it all from memory, out and back. So I don't know what that says, but I don't know what it, it's that good or bad. But uh, I mean, I would think it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. You can't navigate. You can't navigate around Greenville, though, can no, you? No. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to hit just some stuff that we've talked about before, and and uh, like I said, he, he's got some stuff he brought. And it'll, it'll be a good show. Hope you, uh, all you hunters out there, on a rainy afternoon when you know if it would have been blowing twenty to thirty miles an hour, I would have said y'all need to be listening to the show. But I mean, it's like what five to ten out there and drizzling rain probably a pretty good day to be this a, is deer a great stand. day to hunt being a deer stand <clears throat> yeah i thought about that all the way in here but. <laughs> we hunted this week yeah put too much pressure on them yeah uh but let's uh i tell you what let's take a few minutes do a calendar says so real short calendar events and then we'll get on with the other part of the show but uh, as always it's brought to you by visit anderson green pond landing event center which is pretty it brings up something they have marker lights led marker lights installed at Green Pond now. So on the outside, as near as I can tell, it's not on the middle lanes, all that might be. The picture I saw was just of the outside lane, had LED markers. So when you're backing your boat down, Green Pond Landing, uh, you'll be able to tell where the edge of the concrete is now. So pretty cool. But that's who the who presents the calendar events every week. And on Thursday, October the 24th, 6.30 p.m., opportunity for you to help the South Carolina Bob White Quail Initiative uh, in the funding partnership invites you to an evening reception honoring Edmund Beaver Hardy. Um, Beaver Hardy. Beaver Hardy. In quotes, Edmund Beaver. So Beaver's obviously his nickname. And it's funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought his last name was Beaver Hardy. No, no. Be- I just said Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, it's a fundraiser at the Millstone at Adams Pond in Columbia, South Carolina. And, and they got a little... The little quote in here says, according to friend, hunting partner, and chauffeur Bob Harkins, any bird hunter who acquires another bird dog puppy at the age of 80 is either slipping or a supreme optimist. Beaver is not slipping. Wow. So there you go. So help us pay tribute to one of South Carolina's most dedicated Bob White enthusiasts as we raise money to benefit wild quail restoration in our state. More information, you can go to the South Carolina Bob White Quail Initiative um, that's scbobwhites.com and get more information there. November the 2nd, the 5th annual Smoky Mountain. This is going a little bit up north here. The 5th annual, but, but trout fishing is something you almost have to go to North Carolina for. The 5th annual Smoky Mountain Fly Fishing Festival. November the 2nd, noon to 4 at the Tuckasegee Fly Shop and the Neda Halo Brewing Company. Um, that's in downtown Silver, North Carolina. Join us in celebrating the rich fly fishing heritage of Jackson County, Tuckasegee Fly Shop's five-year anniversary, and being named the North Carolina Trout Fishing Capital. Hmm. There you go. I, 
But why do you have to go to North Carolina? What's wrong with the middle saluda and a can of corn? Ooh, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just that. Is it too late to edit that out, Paul? No, you're live. I'm afraid. <laughs> Darn it! This isn't recorded. Okay. Oh shoot! Can't believe you said that. Nothing's wrong with a can Truth's of corn. The truth. Nothing is wrong with it at all. It is perfectly legal. And the older I get, if it's legal, it's legal. Yeah. And if some I don't like, I work against it. But there's many a kid up there who has squealed in absolute oh, yeah. delight at a trout pulling and on a piece of corn. if you want a plate full of trout, that's the best way to get it. It's the best way to do it. Although they don't trout taste like trout much, though. But if you've never had a wild trout, you uh, won't know the difference. No. Remember that brown trout I caught up on the Chattooga that year? Yeah. He had that pink it was salmon, like salmon look. It was like salmon. That was a um, real wild yeah. one. Yeah. That was a good fish, too. Um, the Woodrunners Survival Challenge, November the 7th to the 11th. The Woodrunners, Woodrunners Survival Challenge is designed for those who have the training and experience to join instructors as we venture on a five-day trek through inhospitable terrain with only the skills learned and mastered in the first three curricular steps. So, oh, man. What should I expect? The unexpected. Expect the worst. Expect the best of ourselves. Talks about the suck a little bit of in here. We know what that's about. Uh, but anyway, if you're interested, the Woodrunner School of Self-Reliance is right down the road here in Lawrence, I believe, or Clinton. And, they, man, if you go to their their Facebook page, they are doing something all the time. Hmm. All the time. Fire making, survival. That'd be fun. And stuff like this. So, yeah. Anyway, that's just a couple of things to get you out there. And then, to some music here. Hang on, we're going to be back on the other side of the break. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Little Kansas there. Kansas. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. James Taylor. Nothing like James. Smooth, relaxing. It could be backcountry road, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mince words. Country road, back roads, it's the same thing. You know, the, the only bad thing about it, it, James started doing some online guitar lessons recently, and I logged <laughs> on the first one. And the whole lesson was about how to apply acrylic nails to your picking hand. You know, long nails out, and he had this. It had a fishing tackle box full of nail material, and he sat there the whole time. Five, it just didn't do it for just me. Just didn't do it for you. I didn't look at any more. Maybe third or fourth <laughs> lesson, that would have been good. But I realized acrylic nails are the best for picking, but it just... Mm. Just doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Okay. Not your thing. That, that was random. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is exactly what a road trip with him is. It's We bounce from music to hunting to current events to family, uh, back to music. And, and that's what All makes around. it so fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Like I said, I, I wish I wish I really would have left my voice recorder on the whole time we were out west. But hey, it is what it is, and, and you remember the high points. It'd be like the pictures, though. You don't have time to go back and listen oh, no. to all of them. Oh no, you don't have time to look at the pictures. You don't have time to listen to all the recordings. Nope. So it's there and gone. <clears throat> I have Sometimes. lots of pictures to look through, and haven't looked at many of them at all. But I got some yeah. good ones. Yeah, well, I saw the couple you sent. <laughs> three, yeah. We we really lucked in and saw some bull elk just in settings that just 
I mean, I I never expected to be in a position to get some of the pictures I got. No, no. And it was it was really cool. Um, you know, it is hunting season, and you're not on social media as much as I am. Because I'm, of this. I'm not on it all no, anymore. anymore. I my you're done. Okay. <clears throat> I'm Bill Metz's son. I'm protesting. <laughs> I don't know. Bill Metz is using an iPad these days. That's what they say. I've seen it happen. Really? Yeah, I have seen it happen. I've had to instruct him on how to use an iPad, and it's a very disconcerting experience. <laughs> well, when he gets on Facebook, I'll get back on. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, hunting. What? Hunting is a heritage, just a way of life. It's not something you, I don't think you pick up and lay down with a season because it's a year-long thing with us. Yeah. Why is hunting so messed up these days? You know, I think that hunting is one of those things. There, there are some things we do, like play baseball or football, that are just games people invented. But hunting is one of the few things, hunting and fishing, um, that that comes out of it, it is a leftover of something that used to be absolutely necessary for survival. It's not necessary for survival anymore, but we do it in that same vein. And um, but it's it's gotten so commercialized. Trophy hunting, and I and I and I get it. I don't know. There's any way around it, but it to me, it just has really messed us all up. Um, I, I don't watch any hunting shows. I know you watch. Give me I, actually, yeah. Sling TV had a two week freebie that had some episodes of Meat Eater and some Jim Shockey Uncharted. Yeah, and I watched both of them, and I was like, those are really good. But mm-hmm. I know it's just Outdoor Channel, Pursuit Channel, and all that. Is that the part that's just really I – because mean, you, you've essentially got inside hunting. You've got infighting. Yeah. Is that where it comes from? Is that where it starts with it's, all it's the – It's definitely part of it. I, you know, I know it, there was a time when I shot any deer, and I was proud of it, and I was excited. And, and now it's like, well, I'm not going to shoot that one because people will talk about me like that wasn't big enough to shoot or whatever. And and I get that on one hand, but when it gets to the point that it's cutting in on, on what you and, and your it's affecting your behavior based on what others may think, uh, I think that's part of it to me is, is what's wrong with it. It's, it's well, big game hunting anyway. They define trophy so much differently than it was when we were growing up. I mean, we grew up, there were no deer. Trophy was a track. Was a track. <laughs> you wanted to pour a mold, take That's it right. home, and mount it on the wall. Yeah. Because you saw a deer track. Yeah. Yeah. And this was here in South Carolina. This was not somewhere else. This is, yeah. you know, middle upstate but, South Carolina. Before deer really took off, they were they were restocked in the Sumter National Forest in the Low Country, fifties and sixties. But even then, it took them almost twenty years to go what ten miles. Yeah. From the center where they stocked them down below Union, down and through there. Yeah, yeah. It just it took, a, took a long time. took a long time. And then, then it kind of reached a uh, point of um, um, exponential growth, and then it grew in a lot of areas really quick. Yeah. But that first 10 or 15 years, there wasn't much around at all. It took a long time. I remember our first brush with a deer. Yeah. <laughs> Jumped it in the broom straw, and I'm yelling, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Yeah. Screaming yeah. at the deer. Uh, yeah, that was the way it was. When you saw one, it was a it was a huge event, huge event. And and now we've come from that to the point of 
uh, of well, a lot of these hunting shows you see and all, they're essentially farming deer. Of course, they, I mean, yeah. you know, they they've got big big acreages. You know, they're planning for them. They they've got uh, they've got them under constant surveillance by way of trail cams. And it's not just a trail cam where it takes a picture. And you, now it's it's you can sit and watch your to your phone. Yeah, you can look at your yeah. corn feeder on your phone twenty four seven and see everything that's coming in and out and. And you and I have talked about that makes you, oh, if the, if the biggest one that you saw on the wet, on the camera doesn't come in, you're not going to shoot anything else. And it, it, it just, um, it just really changes the, 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 the reason you're out there. Um, I think a lot of that is made for a lot of frustrated deer hunters. They see all the big deer on TV. They see a, a, maybe a big deer here or there at yeah. night yeah. on their trail cameras. And they go hunting, expecting to see that deer walk out. It doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And and they and they and they don't have. There's no way they have the ability to manage thousands of acres. Yeah. And you get these guys right here on fifty acres, hundred acres. Yeah. They just. And I think that's created a bunch of frustrated deer hunters. Well, and and um, from the standpoint of you, you watch a show. They come out. They climb up in the tree. Five minutes later, the buck of a lifetime walks out. Yeah. They shoot it, and, and it's it's over. And you don't have an appreciation for how many hours and days they sat there waiting for that to happen. And so when you sit there hours and days and don't see anything, you think, well, what's wrong with me? Well, yeah. probably nothing. Nothing. You, you know, they just truncated, you know, 10 days of filming down to 30 minutes. Well, 20 with commercials. 20 with the commercials. So uh, you, you got to kind of, you got to adjust everything and scale it to where you are and what you have access to and enjoy that. And and just forget what's going on everywhere else. I've often and we've we've butted heads about this trail cameras. <laughs> I told you if I ever found one of yours, I was going to last thing you see is the muzzle of my shotgun. Yeah, and I I spared the one you that did. I wa- found. You did wave at it. I waved at it as I walked by. Um, but I took it down. Now this is the season, okay. so so that I'm not corrupted by right. what's on the camera. I don't want to. I just wanted to see what was out there during the summer. But that. That in and of itself, and that's that's one of the things I don't I don't like trail cameras. I don't use them. I got one, a brand new one. The company sent me this year. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it. Come on to the dark side. No, can't do it. Um, you know, you you see all those animals running around at night, and you, and frankly, I don't know what I don't want to know what's out there in some instances. I, <laughs> you know, because yeah. when I know there's something, and just the few that I've seen off of there, I'm like in my mind, yeah. okay, that deer was out there in daylight. That's a pretty nice buck. Is he is he just sitting back in there waiting? Do I do I take a shot at this smaller deer, or do I just sit there and grind it out and hope he's there? So you're saying that that spike that you took a photo of and texted to me while we were hunting the other day, <laughs> if it wasn't for the trail cam and the big deer, you would have plugged him. No, no, he's a he was a little guy. He was. A, I was more interested in shooting the cat. <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted to get the cat, but the deer was there, and so I didn't. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it. Remember when we were when before we had all this technology and all, you went deer hunting, you sat there, man, you enjoyed the sunrise, you enjoyed all that was going around you, you, you know, you hated the little squirrel who busted you and sat there for five minutes chewing you out, you know, you enjoyed what was around you and you saw a deer, it was like, there's a deer, yeah, that's why I'm out here. Well, you know our, our friend Gene Norville, yes, he he has a saying over and over, any yeah, deer's a, a good, good deer. deer, and and you know Gene's eighty. Six now, and yeah. and and he's excited about every deer that that he harvests, and um, you know there's, there's something to be said for that. And I, 
I can't help, but I can't, I would love to get on some of these chat rooms and, and stuff and just, you know, cause I think it's part of it's generational. We hunted, we started hunting when there were no deer. We saw the rise of it, the peak of it, kind of drop off thing. There's lots of guys out there have been hunting. Their hunting experience has been numbers. They've yeah. just always been there. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's that, that old guys thing. Where? Who? Us. I think, I think a lot of it comes from just being that old to remember. Yeah. Getting grumpy. Getting grumpy. Yeah. And we are grumpy. It feels good to be grumpy. Every once in a while, it's, yeah. you know. That's part of it, though. It is. It to is. To look down at the youngsters and say, well, they don't know what they got. <laughs> but, now having said that, you want, in other areas of hunting, we want the latest. I mean, you want a good rifle. You oh, want yeah. a good bow. I mean, you want the best tools you can. I guess the question is, use that camera as a tool or do you use it as something that goes beyond what hunting all i know is the is the happiest times i I spent deer hunting was when all i had was a knife a (laughs) rope and a rifle and i went hunting we went hunting and and it was fun now i spend 30 minutes before time getting my gear together and 30 minutes after putting it back up and it's just i don't know we have to figure out a way to balance it out you know, and, and then we get in the whole corn baiting thing and all, and it just, it devolves from yeah. there. Yeah. I wonder if we're not creating, and you know, up until a couple of years ago, we didn't have corn in the upstate. And I wonder if we're not creating a whole, a whole group of hunters that they think that's what deer hunting is. Yeah. Have never, sit, never, have never, have never hunted without a pile of corn in front of them. They've never learned to, to watch it, find a trail, find a creek cross and look for a good tree to climb yeah. or a place to sit. And and really learn what a whitetail deer is. Yeah, yeah, and what he does. And what he does, which you're never going to be able to make him do what he wants to do. No, no. He's a wild animal. He's yeah. out there 365, 24. He's even figured out the corn. He has. They only come to that at night these days most of the time. Now that everybody has it, yep. they, you know. That's a proven fact. When, you, when it's out there, they don't have to forage like they used to. Right. They don't move. They don't move. Not like you want them to anyway. That's right, yeah. All right, well... That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh. We're not too grumpy. No, we're not. All right. Hang on through the break. More Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. We'll, uh, we'll talk about some funny stuff coming up. Okay. Welcome back to Woods and Water South Carolina. It's a little more Kansas, isn't it? No. I can't hear it at the moment. Boy, I'm drawing a blank. I am drawing an absolute blank on this one. Maybe Kansas. Is that fight fire with fire? No. Anyway. Whew, we're slipping. Yes, fight fire with fire. Yeah, there we go. Late okay. Kansas. Yeah. Late Kansas. Post Carry Livgren, which, you know, it's marginally Kansas. Marginally Kansas. Okay. All right. You know, we talked just a little bit earlier about hunting shows. I don't, I don't have enough time to watch them. I don't know. I don't know. For me to sit down and watch pretty much any TV show, I can't even watch a full episode of Perry Mason anymore. You know, I, just, I'm just drawn to so many other things yeah. I've got to get done. Uh, I have watched, like I said, I watched a few Meat Eater. Meat Eater is on Netflix, by the way. Yeah. Epis- mm-hmm. uh, season eight goes right. up here in the next week He's or got so. Five seasons on. Yeah. Now. Uh, that's Steve Rinella's Meat Eater's on. That's really the only one that's on a platform like that. I guess everyone else is now 
Well, migrated to outdoor pursuit. Um, well, some of them are still Sportsman. on Sportsman's Channel and 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 uh, the Outdoor Channel. But there's that there's an app now. You know, you can get that uh, My Outdoor, My Outdoor TV that you yeah. got all of them. Yeah. But you know, I like I, I like Jim Shockey's Uncharted, which is different than which was than, one of the ones that I saw. Yeah, Uncharted's different than the um um than Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, okay. which is more just about hunting. But Uncharted. And my wife even enjoys watching that with me in the sense that he'll go to a country and really get into the culture and the traditions. And you just learn a lot about the country he's going to in addition to the hunting. And, you know, he kind of shows the good, the bad and the ugly, the, the hiking, the, the injuries, the, uh, the missed shots. And oh, it's yeah. just a, um, it, it's just a good, uh, adventure type thing. But, but Steve Ranilla, um, you know, one thing I like about him is he does ordinary things like he'll go squirrel hunting. Uh, I think on that, I looked up the Netflix, the latest on this meat eater, of course. Um, he's got one where they're catfishing with, with trot lines. Yeah. And doing a lot of things that people used to do as a matter of this is part of life and gathering your food, but they don't really do anymore. And, um, and he, he does it all around. And, and then, you know, he kind of goes back into the, the, the history of it. And, and, and then he'll generally cook it at the end. And, and it, it. it's just a good, um, picture of, of what, how outdoor, Outdoors used to be, I mean, it, it was it was getting food, and he enjoyed it. But it at its base, it was getting food, and uh, so I enjoy that. Um, the other, and I tape all three of these. The other one I tape is um, Western Hunter, which is is like it says Western hunting. Yeah. You know, it's 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 uh, mule deer, elk, and uh, big horns, and and all in in the Western United States primarily. Um, but they do a really good job. The, the scenery is beautiful and all. And it's, it's about the whole thing, the camping, the hiking, the, the missed shots and everything. It's not just showing up, you know, killing a big deer and flying home and then putting it on television like some of them that will remain, remain nameless have become. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Meat Eater, Jim Shockey's Uncharted and Western Hunter. Are the, I tape them all and, you know, watch, watch them, when, them. I, when I have a chance. But if you, if you've never watched one or you never have been into a hunting show, Netflix. I mean, it's accessible. Yeah. Go in there and look, and it gives you a good idea of exactly. Because I, I met Steve, I think, in 2015. He's been on the show a couple of times, I think. I've run into him a couple of the times. He's he's just a great guy. Is he, yeah, he's from upper. He's from Michigan. Kind of have to get used to the accent a little yeah. bit. But he just he's just an ordinary guy. That's I don't think yet has let his fame or notoriety get to him. Well, he's one of those guys too, and not to keep plugging meat eater, but if you if you read his book, uh, he, which he, I got you, yeah, <laughs> okay, it's a signed copy by the That's way. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but but he and his brother essentially uh, hunted and fished their way through college. Yes. You know, they were up in Upper Peninsula, UP of Michigan, in college, and had no money and 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 no way to get. And they they fished and hunted for all their food through college. You know, so he's kind of lived the life of, yeah. in that regard. His story is interesting because he he was living in Manhattan, hosting wild game dinners for people in Manhattan. Yeah, and just you know, he said, "What a better way! These people have no idea what hunting is about, and you introduce it through food." Yeah, which is a lot of what what uh, Field of Fork is doing. Yeah, yeah, with QDMA. But, he, but he'll eat anything. Anything. I I saw him. He, he did he did a buffalo hunt, a free range wild bison buffalo hunt in Mexico. And after he shot the the, uh, the bison, the first thing he did when he started field dressing it was he he pulled out the liver 
and the gallbladder. And he said, I've read about this for years as a kid, how the mountain men and the Indians used to take raw liver and flavor it with gall from the gallbladder, and that was kind of their little gravy on it. I've been wanting to try this forever. And he poured it on there, and he cut a piece of that, and he put it in his mouth. I mean, right there, that thing probably wasn't dead an hour, 50 minutes. And he immediately started gagging. He said, that is the most (laughs) vile thing I've ever put in my mouth. So, you know, you get the truth there. It's it's interesting to watch. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, well, I asked you to, to bring a couple of things with you if you wanted to, and you did. You brought some content. Yeah. Both of them meat eater based, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I got on the, the newsletter. Um, I don't know how I got on the newsletter, but I'm on it. So, so I get to get the newsletter coming in, but, uh, so but you brought an interesting one about fishing. You know, we, certainly we, something to talk about. We, we, in hunting, I guess in hunting, you know, there is no catch and release. No, it's not generally. once and done. And, and I caught one one time and released, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, it was not, not by when, cho- not by choice. Not when Grandma got run over by reindeer. It's <laughs> when Uncle Paul got run over by the whitetail. <laughs> another uh, story for another time. Um, you know, we we fishing though. Fishing's always been. I don't know why, but even even us growing up with Granddaddy Mets fishing a lot. I never thought about killing a live fish. Now, obviously, you're sitting here telling me that you did. I Well, I never but, thought about killing one right when we caught it, which is what the article is about. Right. You know, and, 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 and you've done more um, fishing in other um, settings than I have, but, but you said that in a lot of like offshore fishing sometimes, salmon fishing, that yeah. they it's customary to kill the fish right, right then there. as soon as you catch it, yeah. which you do it by knocking them over the noggin, right? Some, yeah, you can knock them over the noggin or stick them in the – in an ice box and let them chill. Well, <laughs> but yeah, you can. In fact, salmon, you know, you'll you'll slit the gill plate so let it bleed out. Yeah, so we do that right there. You know, there's a a, a popular notion out there that fish can't feel pain. Their neurological system is not developed enough. But this article, this article, he says nobody actually knows that they can because no one's figured out how to directly communicate <laughs> with fish yet. But um, yeah, this article, this guy, he's it's just kind of a. Kind of a hmm. Never thought about this article where this guy's ice fishing and he's he's pulling these perch out and that and every and as soon as he pulls them up he just throws them over on the ice and goes back for another one and 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 it all of a sudden occurs to him that there's five or six of these perch flopping around in the cold water freezing to death and he didn't think anything of it and he wonders why haven't I ever thought about this before and why don't I kill perch like I do other fish and I never thought about it either but it's 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 an interesting question do do continue. <laughs> well, you know, I guess I guess I'm kind of a softy, but I I um I was telling you I'll go when I read this that I would rather clean a deer. I'd rather clean an elk than one small brim. It just I just have never enjoyed cleaning fish. I've always done it cuz if you catch them you got to do it. If you, you want to eat them you got to do it. But normally when we clean them, you know, you got to hold them down. They're still sure. flopping and you're cutting the head off and that has always just bothered me terribly. So I gravitated to this article. Now I'm like next time I'll just knock them in the noggin and with whatever and baseball bat or something, and then I don't have to feel guilty when I'm cleaning them. So there's my confessional. <laughs> oh, God. It does. It says, as hunters, we talk a great deal about ethical and humane killing. Talk about shot selection, shot placement, appropriate caliber, reasonable differences, distances. But what about fish? Why do I lay awake nights agonizing of a year-old memory of a buck shot through the rear legs, flailing and dragging itself to cover, but I can sit in a tent, tossing jokes back and forth with two buddies with a pile of fish, alternately freeze and suffocate in the course of hours. 
Is it just simply the way we grew up? I think it is. It's just just customary. What uh, and and here again, you know, in, in when fishing and hunting was for food, you didn't have time for such sentimental thoughts as hmm. I wonder if they can feel pain because it's it's just it's survival, and, it, and you're mostly concerned about your survival. You're not concerned about you know. So the whole concept of ethics and all that in hunting and fishing is kind of a, a new thing. I think catch and um, release fishing. Otherwise known as playing with your food. Gosh. You really, you really want to start this one? No, no, I just, it just made me think of it. <laughs> yeah. It's been some of our, some of our worst, our worst little abruptly ended talks have come over catch and release yeah. fishing. Yeah. They have, cause we will we'll never agree on that. And you know, I, I, some of it's just, I got to poke you about it, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, and, and when it comes to ethics and pain, when I, when you had that, that topic came up, I thought about, a little boy one time that took an arrow Uh-oh. and shish kebobbed about 15 toad frogs one evening right at dusk and, and left them on the back porch. And, boy, the next morning he learned about, about ethics I and pain. I learned about ethics and pain. Yeah, from, from your rear end. I did. That was a lesson it. I never forgot. Yeah. that. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, I guess from your parents, that's where things like that should come sure. from. You know, you, you learn that. You know, something's got to die for everybody to live. If nothing dies, nothing lives. I don't care if you're a vegetarian. A plant's got to die for you to live. Right. And, um, but that doesn't mean it has to be, um, barbaric and unfeeling. So what's your take on the article? What's your, what's your takeaway? (laughs) I think I'm going to start killing my brim. (laughs) As soon as I decide whether I'm keeping it or not, I'm going to go ahead and try it anyway. Bonk him on the head. I'll probably, you know, hit my finger instead. You, uh, I was fixing to say it's different when it's a 20-pound dolphin yeah. offshore and a yeah. six-ounce grill. How, how do you get enough? Yeah, I haven't worked out the details yet. Logistics are still in the planning. <laughs> All right. Hang on through the break. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. Welcome back to the last little segment. Farner there, Lil Farner, yeah. Lou Graham, the yeah. the really the only lead singer Farner really ever had. Yeah, the guy they have now, he he's a stand-in. Yeah, poser. he used to grow up. Poser, he used to grow up. <laughs> he does sing well. He does, but he's just copying what Lou Graham did. That's previously. right. That's right. You know, we were talking during the break, and you said something about what was your quote about if you never kill something, what now? If you never killed anything, you don't you don't wrestle with questions like this, you know. And there's something sobering about about killing something or being responsible for something's death that makes you think about a lot of things that you might then gives you perspective you might not have otherwise. That's especially true when it comes to nature. Yeah, people because because they have the fairy tale or the or the you know the Disney movie. Uh, the teddy bear thing yeah. in their head, and they've never come to grips or, or come to grips with nature in a one-on-one setting, uh, life or death, or killing something. And all yeah. you know, we we it's, it happens every year. You read um, somebody gets knocked over by an elk in Yellowstone, or a bear gets somebody in Alaska because they were fifty yards from them, and you, people they're disconnected from the reality of wildlife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh too much National Geographic and uh, 
um, uh, not enough reality. They just don't realize what wild animals are capable of. And, uh, and but but that's tough because we want people to go watch them. You know, we have elk in North Carolina. We got black bears. I mean, if you go to the Woods and Water Facebook page, there's a video of a black bear in Pigeon Forge, and there's people literally within ten feet of it. Yeah, I'm surprised he tolerated that. You showed it to me, and I've seen bears charge people in in Cades Cove before when they got too close. Yeah, um, it it, it uh, put a new perspective on them really quick. <laughs> all of a sudden, they didn't want to get so close. <laughs> it wasn't close. It's not a cuddly little bear after That's all. That's right. Not a cuddly little bear after all. But there there is there is a disconnect between. I guess our lives now, yeah, where where you have you know, generations have grown up suburbanites, yeah, and all, and didn't have the, I wouldn't say life or death experiences, but the experiences we had growing up, where you, you know, you did kill something, yeah, your yeah. first deer or, or, you know, the toad frogs, and, yeah, you know, whatever, and it's there's no way to educate, and there's there's no way. To get that across now, no, and and the other the other kind of the part of that too is we have a we have a real dis- disconnect in regards to predators. I mean, we have a love affair with predators, you know, wolves and mountain lions and all these things. And and I'm not for killing anything to extinction, but but our ancestors had good reasons for seriously reducing the numbers of these predators, um, and uh, and they're coming back big time. And I, I read articles the other day about a little boy that was attacked in his backyard in Colorado by mm-hmm. a mountain lion. He's yeah. just playing in the backyard, and um, uh, you know the, these type of confrontations. That our we, we had good reasons. Uh, our ancestors knew firsthand uh, yeah. the real score on things. They had no illusions or, or uh, uh, about how things were. Uh, no. Um, uh, romantic ideas about things, and uh, and they said, you know, we don't need as many of these type animals around for personal safety and livestock safety and and uh, everything. So. And there again, there's there's that disconnect. Yeah, you know, yeah. never having to deal with it. now. That, let me tell you what, coyotes are 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 making some of those disconnections connections. Yeah, right. You know, there's there's huge problems with coyotes in Mount Pleasant. Yeah. Out on Patriots Point, they went in there and trapped forty something coyotes, yeah. I think. And 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 you're seeing a lot of that. And everybody wear thinks off. coyotes, you know, oh, they you know they've never attacked anybody, but that's starting to happen yeah, now because there's is. so many of them. They're starting to pack up, and uh, you know, there's a, a article I read about a little boy in a park, a toddler, you know, and the coyotes came and was dragging him off, yeah. and the mom happened to see it and went and got him, and he didn't get hurt, but. But uh, yeah, it's a different ball game when they when they get in in, in large numbers and get hungry. And the, and the, and stuff like this is just going to increase as we further encroach into habitat loss and you know yeah we we got two things we're we're uh, taking away and, and chewing up habitat with development and we don't want to control the predator numbers we want everything to be able to live well that those two things yeah. can't coexist so <laughs> but yeah the, it will solve itself one way or the other one way or the other nature will balance yeah we're the interlopers we're the ones that have to figure out our place in it all. Yeah. Um. Oh man, that's a long list of topics you got there. Yeah, and I really don't want to get into any of them because you don't have time to give them enough. Enough. Uh, we talk about my other one. We talk yeah. about coyotes. We talk about uh, coyotes. Uh, yeah, I saw bit. this recently, and and for the hunters out there, you know, there is nothing that makes you feel more like a good citizen. I mean, almost like you do a medal is to be sitting on a deer stand and a coyote come trotting through. 
and you shoot him. You feel like I have done mankind a great service. You have done your public service That's to right. the South Carolina deer population. And not a deer Rabbit population. population, quail population. The cat, cat population. The house cat population. The, yeah. You know, the toy dog population. That's right. You've done, um, a, you've done a public service. And uh, it, it, it feels feels good. And um, and coyotes, they're just so, you know, I don't know, sneaking around. They just look like they ought to be shot anyway. They're not. Uh, but anyway, that's a different story. But anyway, th- this this article here, it talks about you may not be doing what you think you're doing. Um, and it talked about how it, uh, you know, it could, number one, interrupt your deer hunt. Because sure. deer come through, smell the carcass, the blood, they're going to shy away. And apparently, according to this article, that can happen for some time after that. Not just right when he, but, you know, maybe three, four, five hours, deer are going to shy away from that area. Um, well, they don't like coyotes either. Yeah. and But the other thing is it says you're not affecting the overall population at all or that you're not helping anything. You think you are, but it, in the big scheme of things, has nothing to do. Uh, it, it's not helping. But the the... Real shocker for me here was it said that if you if you shoot a coyote, if you happen to shoot the the dominant coyote alpha. in an area, the alpha, um, and I'm not smart enough to tell which is alpha, nope. whichever one's in front, that's the one gets the bullet. That's the one. But um, it, what you may be doing once that alpha is gone, you may actually attract lots more coyotes to your area, all jockeying for position, to become the new alpha. So you've you may created be, a vacuum. Yeah, you've created more of a problem than you've solved. So. Um, you know, probably next time I see one, I'll still shoot it because it feels like you're just doing such a good thing. But um, uh, pro- probably or not. Now they did say the things you you can do to help with uh, with with uh, game populations and coyotes is is more cover. Yeah. I mean, the thicker things are, the, the harder it is for coyotes to find. I don't care if it's rabbits, squirrels, deer, sure. quail, whatever. And the other thing is, is during the spring when they're having their young, if you have a, a concentrated trapping area. For coyotes in a certain area, simply because the coyotes are having their young and all the game animals are having their young at the same time, and so the young of the game animals are, are very vulnerable, and the coyotes need more food. So you can eliminate some coyotes, then you can do some good. But other than that, you're just you feel good, but that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's enough. It, it, and this all stems out of. You know, we're still doing research on coyotes. They have a they have a uh, a pro, uh, study going right over here in in uh, McCormick County, I believe it is. Uh, Clemson University has, have, and DNR have tagged. I think it's around twenty coyotes. With not like ear tags. Well, they do have ear tags, but they have GPS hmm. inserts, and the deer have GPS. And what they're hoping to learn is the interaction between the two, because we've. We had the studies at SRS that, that found out that, look, we're losing huge uh, amount of fawns. Yeah. And then we had the further study that coyotes were the cause of it, like 80% mortality on fawns every year. Yeah. In uh, this study, I think they're trying to find out where those two segments are, where those two populations are meeting. Yeah. You know, is it is it – are the coyotes honing in after a doe drops a fawn? Yeah. Is there something there that's given away? Is it, you know, is it something else? Is it a pack? Is it a single? Why? Well, there's something going on here that's not going on in a lot of areas, and I don't, I don't know, uh, because I, I've hunted in Texas, and I've seen coyotes and deer within, of course, it's open out there, you can see. Sure. Within, you know, 
30, 40 feet of each other and not paying each other any attention. I mean, the deer might look up and kind of keep one eye <laughs> on the them. evil eye. But um, it's, it's not like you would think like it is around here. And here again, a mature uh, adult deer is a lot different than a 15-pound fawn or something. Um, so, uh, But there, there obviously is a way that in some places they coexist and seem to do quite well, but it hasn't happened that way here yet. So <clears throat> I don't know. What, uh, got a couple minutes left. What is a trophy? When you're out deer hunting, what is a trophy to you? You know, it's not, it's, it's certainly not the deer. I mean, I, all things being equal, you'd rather have a big antlers than small antlers, but you know, it's, it's the whole picture. It's, uh, you know, how I feel that day. If it's a beautiful fall day with crisp air and leaves falling and, uh, it's the rifle I'm shooting. All those things together. Sometimes I just feel like it's time to shoot, and other times it's like, nah, let's just watch them walk by, and I can't define it. So I think, I think trophies changes all the time. You know, for for what? Um, I mean, some of the biggest trophies I've killed are some of the smallest deer I've killed. You know, just but it's been the effort behind it and the way it happened. It's the way it happened, and um, um, so we. It, if we continue to define it by just big antlers, we're missing the boat, I think. I think we're really missing the boat. Not to say I don't like big antlers. Not to but say. You, you just can't define the experience by that. And um, um, so that's me. What about you? I don't even know anymore. I mean, it's yeah. just I go just to be out there. It, it, I go to escape. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know that the, at any time – I should probably shoot more pictures than I shoot anything else. Yeah. And um, it's, it's like with Taylor. Now that she's hunting on her own, uh, you know, we have the common practice of texting each other when both of us are in the stand and make sure we're, you know, each of us is uh, hooked up to our lifeline and everything. And I try to tell her every time we go hunting, I said, this is a gift. Every time you can come out here, this is a gift. Enjoy every minute of it. Yeah. Because it's never going to be the same. It's always different. Enjoy it. Yeah. I, Anything you bring out of the woods with you is a bonus. Yeah. I got this quote here, uh, and I think it sums it up for me because um, it says, I go so that no one can find me, but in the end I find myself. Well, and and that's, you know, it, it's, it's um, uh, and if, if you're not, I don't know. It goes I, back to the, if you're, the old tree stand. The video they put out, the old trees. Yeah. This old tree's going to talk. It says it's it's seen my ethics tested. Yeah, that's right. And that's what hunting does. It does, and it carries over into real life. You know, if you can't do the right thing when nobody's watching. Thanks for coming in. Enjoyed it. As always, folks, make time to get out there, take the back roads when you can, because that's where South Carolina comes alive. And don't forget that camera. Back next week, more woods and water, South Carolina. North Carolina.